Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And together we're studying the subject of seeking the Lord. And we saw last time that God is the divine lover. He's passionate for us. He wants the closest possible relationship with us. His heart is like a consuming fire that wants, that wants to be united to us. And the problem, the disconnect, has happened in the heart of man because we have turned aside to things, to find our happiness and satisfaction and security in things. And, you know, it's not wrong to want things, success and, and knowledge and all the possessions and all the good things of this life but we're not to be ruled by those things those things must not be the number one thing for us as Jesus said you know that if we seek God the kingdom of God his rule over us and his righteousness and his life in us if we seek that first then all these things will be added to us they must be the second thing once we put God first then we can be trusted with the things and so the problem in the heart of man was diagnosed in, in Romans chapter 1. And, and we tend to think of man's problems as his behavior, his immorality. But God reveals actually that it comes, all of that comes from the heart that's gone wrong because the heart has gone away from the presence of God toward idols. It says that God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And that is just describing man's immorality but he gives the cause of that, he says, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And so he says that although this sinful behaviors happen, the, the root of them and the way to deal with them is idolatry in the heart, that we've turned from worshipping God and seeking God to seeking the th created things. And it's the idolatry in our heart that then leads to the immorality. It's the idolatry in our heart that disconnects us from the presence of God and why our life goes wrong. The outward sin is just manifestations of what's happened in the heart. When men stop seeking God, it results in idolatry. Seeking God, that's, they seek other things instead, that's idolatry. And then that leads to immorality. So to deal with the sin issue, to overcome sin, we have to, it has to deal with the heart first, more before the behavior. We have to get our heart back to God. We have to seek God and get our heart in the hand of God and let his consuming fire burn those idols out of our heart so that those things, they may be good things, take their proper place in our life. So seeking God is, is not an optional extra. It is foundational to our life. It's the heart of the Christian life. God is a passionate lover. He wants a passionate love relationship with us. And we have to return to our first love. That's our subject today, is returning to our first love, to that passionate love relationship with him, which means letting go of the idols in our life and surrendering to his love for us. God is a passionate lover. He's pursued us. But for love to work, it's got to be two ways. So we need to have a passionate heart of seeking and pursuing God to know God and to love him. And so seeking God is the necessary response, our necessary response to the divine lover who's seeking us. He's seeking closer and closer fellowship with us. He wants all of our hearts so that he can pour all of his love into us. We love him because he loved us. 
And now he radiates love to us like the sun and like a flower that reaches out to the sun, that turns to the sun to receive the light of the sun. So we turn to him and open our heart to his love. And in response, we give him our love. We pour our love to him. And in his presence, in his love, we will thrive and grow like a flower in the sunshine. So in his presence, in his li life, is every good thing, is the joy, the peace. Everything that we need, the health, is in his presence. So the key thing is to get to come into his presence and to receive his love and to love him back. And, and God wants that loving relationship with us to be at the core of our life. His love doesn't force himself on us, so he needs us to respond to him voluntarily, not under force. And we respond to him by seeking him, by receiving and returning his love. You know, when someone loves us and we love them, we fall in love with them, we want to be in their presence. We want to get to know them as much as possible. It's a passion for us. We want to spend time with them. And you know, the greatest thing is to know God. And Jeremiah, the, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgments, judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. And so he says, this is the greatest thing, is to know him. Now there's a difference about know, of knowing about a person. You get that by hearing and reading about them, maybe like a celebrity. You can know all about them. But that's different from knowing them directly. Because the only way you can know someone is to be in their presence and fellowship with them. And so it is necessary to know about God, and we do that by studying and, and learning about him. But only by seeking God and by coming into his presence can we know God personally. And so if we're to return to our first love, you know, that love of, 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 of lovers of the, in, their, in their, the early passion of their love, that's what God wants, that, that passionate love uh, where we just want to be with each other and we want to know each other. You know, that's what God wants to, to be the center of our life. A passion to be in the lover's presence, to know him more, to seek him with all our heart and so that he will reveal himself to us through his presence. That's what it is to know God. That's to return to our first love. That's what God wants. Uh, he's that passionate lover. Run into his arms. That's what he needs from you. He needs a response from you. John 4.23, Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is because it was true in, him, in Jesus himself. And it's coming because in the new dispensation, this will become reality through the Holy Spirit. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Those are two things there. In spirit, that spirit to spirit fellowship with God, that's knowing God. And the truth, which we have from the word of God, is knowing about God. We need them both. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so worship is, first of all, in spirit.
It's spirit to spirit, face to face, in his presence. We must come into his presence. Uh, and and know, we can know him directly. Seek his face. Spirit to spirit. Contact with him. Praise God. And the way we do it is actually worshipping him in truth. In other words, we learn the truth of God and we speak the truth of God. We receive the truth of God through the gospel, through the word of God. And we speak the truth of God with praise and thanksgiving. And we declare who God is. We praise him for who he is. And we thank him for what, who he is to us. Lord, you're my shield. You're my healer. And we come into God's presence with words, declaring the truth of who he is. And we come into his presence and we worship him spirit to spirit. And so both are important. God dwells in the secret place. And as we seek him by deliberately coming into his presence with words. You know, how does a man approach a woman? Make, he makes, they say, he makes a move to, towards a woman to, us, to create intimacy with that woman. He uses words, doesn't he? And he's, he's, by those words, he creates that intimacy. And so we come into God's presence with words of love, with words of praise and thanksgiving. You know, like a man will, would use compliments and express his praise, how beautiful she is and, and what he, she means to him. And by those words of praise and thanksgiving, he, as it were, comes in, in he establishes that intimate connection. Song of Solomon says, O my dove, this is the man, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And this is the man speaking to the woman and says, I want your response, I want to hear your voice, I want to see your face, I want that intimacy with you. And so we are to respond to his love in that way. And we come into his presence. See, and as we seek his face, his hand comes upon us to guide us. And so as we seek his face in that way, what happens is we come into his presence and at that point his hand comes upon us. We saw that. It says, seek his face and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. As we come into his presence, his strength comes upon us. His hand comes upon us. And I'd like to compare this to dancing, you know, like ballroom dancing. Because I think our life with the Lord is like dancing with the Lord. And the first thing is you have to get into hold first. The hand of the Lord has to come upon us. We have to come into his presence and allow his hand to come upon us. The hand of the Lord. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Take my hand. Let my hand hold you. We must desire. We must let him do that. And as we come into his presence, we, he, his hand comes upon us. And now we're ready to dance with the Lord. And then a woman has to then let herself be led by that man. And to abide in his presence, to abide in the Lord's presence, means that we have to keep our eyes on him. We keep looking to him. The idols, you see, is what pulls us out of God's presence. Those things are too important. And they pull us out of his presence. It's a bit like a dancer, you know, they're dancing and then the, the woman, instead of looking to the man and following his lead, she's looking away um, to other things, to other distraction, maybe on other men on the dance floor who thinks, you know, oh, I'd like to be with him. And 
because of that, she's not dancing properly. And she's, she needs to obey his promptings and his leading. She needs to be focused on him. She, he's the important one. And if she wants to dance her own dance, you know, she'll come away from his hand and his presence and just dance her own dance. And that's what we do. We just pull out of the presence of God because we're not willing to surrender to him. She has to yield control to him. And um, to abide with him, she has to constantly surrender to his leadership and yield control. And that's what we find difficult sometimes. You know, in the presence of God, we don't know what comes next. We don't know what he'll lead us to do. And so we have to trust him. In his presence, you know, we've got to let go of our independence. You know, another example of this is that God sings the melody. And we hear in his presence, we hear his melody and we're to sing the harmony. We've got to give up trying to sing our own song. We've got to sing the song of the Lord. But if we're too busy singing our own song, we will never yield to his presence. The Sermon of the Mount gives us the key teaching about the right heart attitude we need to, to seek God. In Matthew 6, we're going to follow the whole thought here. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where must and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Notice this laying up is a deliberate activity. It's something that you're focused on that's valuable to you, that you seek, you pursue, and you lay it up. It's for your, is it something on this earth, like success, like possessions, like status, and you try and lay up as much as you can? The problem is, those things have a value, but they don't have very much value because they're temporal. Jesus said they're going to, you're going to lose them in this life. Or certainly when you die, you're going to lose them. So although they have a value, realize they don't have too much of a value. But, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, pursue the things that have eternal value like your relationship with God, like your fellowship with God. These are treasures in heaven. These things have eternal value, he says, because where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. They're indestructible. They're eternal. Therefore, they have a far greater value. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your treasure is what you value the highest. That's where your heart will be. So he says, put a higher value on your fellowship with God, on, your, on, on the presence of God, than the other things. And if you do that, then your heart will be there, your seeking will be there. The key is, what do you put value on? What causes your heart to seek God? It, the key is that you value the presence of God. You've got to get your values right, you see. Something that is of great value is what you're going to be seeking after. So realize the value of the presence of God, of, of being in his presence. If you value your independence from God, if you value your own life, or you value other things, then you will never seek God. But the glory of God is far greater than all these things. And if you do that and seek God first, all these other things will be added to you as well. So what do you value most? Success? A relationship, wealth, these are good, but they have limited value. Your greatest value is your closeness to the Lord, the presence of God in your life.
And if you realize that, then your heart will be there seeking God. You will pursue God and you will be laying up eternal treasures. So that's the first thing. We must develop a desire for God by realizing the value of the presence of God in our life. What keeps our heart from seeking God and his presence is that our heart is diverted into seeking other things which we give too much value to. And we think our life depends on those things being in place. And so we seek these treasures in earth because we, we find security in them, we find satisfaction in them, or we try to. And, and then we come into a state of anxiety because everything will never be in place that we want to be in place. Because we're trying to find our security in, in a false thing that can never do that. That's why Jesus goes on in verse 31, he says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or drink or wear? Now, what the things we're worried about is probably not these primal issues. Nowadays, those things, you know, are provided for. But we still worry, because we worry about things, other things in this life. What do people think about us? What's going to happen in the future? Will I get this qualification? Uh, and so on. And so we worry because we're looking, we're seeking everything in the world to be right, for us to have it. And he says that's how unbelievers act. For after all these things, these things in the world, the Gentiles seek, the heathen seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. See, God's ready to give you these things, but he doesn't want you to seek them. He says, instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? Seek first God and seek his reign over you. Seek his, to surrender to God's will in your life. And seek his righteousness. His righteousness is his presence in you. His power in you. And that power in you will cause you to live right. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is not just keeping rules. Righteousness is God's life, his spirit, his love in you that causes you to live right. And, and so he says, if we seek, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things that we need in this world will be added to you. God will give them to us. In other words, if we put his presence first then all the things will be added to us so we don't need to worry about them God knows that we need need those things met but if we can just put our trust in him seek his presence then the rest of our life will be sorted out seeking but seeking the things below seeking our happiness and our satisfaction our security in the things below that creates worry we'll never find peace that way will never enter into rest. Life will be a constant struggle because we'll never have it all and then we might lose it at any moment. That's how an unbeliever acts. And the unbeliever worries because if he doesn't have those things, he has nothing. But we don't need to worry. We have the presence of God. If we are in the presence of God, we have peace because we know God will provide whatever we need at any time. And so... We, of course, we desire food, we desire possessions, we desire success, we desire praise. That's natural, but we shouldn't be ruled by that. 
our ruling desire should be for the presence of God. And so, as we walk in the Spirit, we are filled with His presence, with His life, with His peace, His righteousness. Seek first His righteousness. That's His life, His Spirit in us, causing us to live righteous. And that is the result of seeking God. His hand upon us causes us to express his, his life in our life. So rather than pursuing things, whether even our prosperity, our health, our success, you know, these are good things. But let's, instead of that, pursue his presence. And that his presence in us will produce those good things. See, if we pursue the healer, the presence of the healer, his healing presence in us will bring healing to our body. Get closer to the Lord as the healer. And he will, you'll see the healing as the byproduct of that. So if, as we pursue his presence, his presence will be added to us. Worry, if we're worried, that's a manifestation of the fact that we're seeking the wrong things. We're seeking treasures on earth. Our seeking is wrong. That's the root issue. You know, we saw Moses as a classic example. Moses in the wilderness, he had the presence of God with him, but he had no, no presence. The land of the milk and honey wasn't there. He didn't have the things, but he had the presence of God. And God offered him a swap. He said, Moses, we can have a swap. You can have the land of milk and honey. You can have all the things, but I won't go with you. You won't have my presence. And Moses realized that's a bad deal. He refused that offer because he knew that the presence of God was the main thing. He'd rather have the presence of God than all the other things. And that has to be our attitude. But if you follow the presence of God, if Israel would have followed the presence of God and dwelt under the presence of God, the presence of God would have led them into the land of milk and honey. They would have had everything they wanted. Let's continue in Matthew. Now we go into Matthew 7, and of course there's no chapter divisions in the original scripture, so it's on the same theme. And this is where he says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Let me first of all say, what are we talking about? Ask, what are we asking for? Is it for things? Well, okay, yes. But remember what he said, first of all, you don't ask for things. You ask for his presence in your life, to be closer to him. Isn't it? Seek first the reign of God and his righteousness. Seek for his life. Seek for his presence. That's what primarily you're asking for. Then the things will come with that. So he, he's saying, ask and it will be given. What's that mean? Ask for a closer relationship with Jesus. Ask for more of his presence. That's what the context is. And literally it's ask and keep on asking. In other words, can, let that be a lifestyle. And then it says, seek and keep on seeking. What are you seeking? His presence. Keep, seek and keep on seeking and you will find. So we pursue God with, with, with determination. Knock and it will be open to you. Again, whenever there's a barrier, you knock and you ask for that barrier to be removed and it will be opened up. It's this pursuit of God we're talking about. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. So yes, as you're seeking God, as you're in his presence, a need may arise up in your heart, in your life, and, and, you, and, you, and it just 
You say to God, Lord, I need this thing. You ask for it and God gives it to you as long as it doesn't pull you out of his presence. That's the key. As long as it doesn't get away in the way of your pursuit of God. You see, an idol is anything that pulls you out of the presence of God. You know, and often evil things are presented as good things. See, Satan in the garden, he dressed as an angel of light. He offered to Adam things as good things. When he said, be, you can be like God if you do this. That sounds good, doesn't it, to be like God? But really he was saying, you can be, operate independently from God. You can operate apart from his presence if you do what I tell you. So what appeared to be good was actually an evil thing. To pull Adam out of God's presence, to be independent from God. We might think, why can't I chase this thing if it's a good thing? But if it pulls you out of God's presence, it's an idol. It's too important to you if it stops you seeking God in order to get hold of it. But if you are in the presence of God, then faith will arise in your heart. If God wants you to have something, faith will arise in your heart to believe for it. But it will all be in the presence of God. And then those things that you receive from God will not pull you out of his presence. They won't be idols to you. See, God doesn't mind you having things, but he doesn't want things to have you. And so love means seeking the face, the presence of God. Not for things that they can give us, but for God himself, for his essence, to know God as he is in himself. And, and that desire creates being a determination to love him and give ourselves to him in worship, in surrender. And if we seek him, we will find him. And more than that, all the other things will be added to us. You know, in the Trinity, they don't share knowledge with each other because they know everything. What they do is they give themselves completely to each other in love. They give their essence, their presence. And so God wants us to come into the same kind of relationship. He says, give yourself to me and I will give myself to you. He will be generous to us. He will share his glory with us. He wants the closest possible relationship with you. Let yourself fall in love with God. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth. But we need your help. If you can partner with us or, or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. The basis for our relationship with God and seeking God, what gives us confidence, is our blood covenant with God. This is my favorite series, really, to teach you the strength of the blood covenant we have with God. And we go into all the aspects of a blood covenant. And a part two of that is the covenant names of God. We know who we are what we have in the covenant, who he is to us in the covenant through his names. And each message is a revelation of the names of God. All my CD series are, have eight uh, messages in them. So you're going to get a lot of teaching on the covenant you have with God. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk 
or by calling 01865 515 086.